What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 150 today, kind of a milestone, coming to you a little bit late. Uh, full disclosure, it might be that way for the upcoming next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm in the process of selling my house and working a full-time job and going back and forth between two different states. And Ben also works a full-time job that does not necessarily have a static schedule. So we're going to do the best we can to get you an episode on time. Uh, but we can't guarantee that over the next couple of weeks. But we will get one to you, uh, whether it's condensed or regular hour or so. We'll, again, depend on scheduling. But uh, just, just so you guys know, we're not we're not trying to get lazy on you. We're not trying to get careless on you. But uh, life happens, and we're both doing the best we can. So just a heads up there. We have a fun show planned for you today. We're going to look at the MLB playoffs to this point. Uh, the I don't know any other way to say it. The greatness of Derrick Henry. Uh, and some other NFL news and notes and fun stories. And uh, next week, we're going well, we're gonna to let you know at the end of the show we're doing next week. I'm not going to spoil it right now. You have to wait and see. First, the MLB playoffs. To this point, I was wrong. Last time we recorded, I said the Giants would beat the Dodgers. Uh, the Giants did not beat the Dodgers. Uh, they had a The game ended on a very controversial check swing, which I think was a check swing, personally. But... Uh, much like Gabe Kapler of the Giants, their manager said a lot of things could have happened up to that point to make that swing not matter. So you can never necessarily blame uh, a game on one play, very rarely at least. Uh, but right now, the Dodgers are in a 3-2 to two hole against the Atlanta Braves, uh, as are uh, Ben and I's Boston Red Sox in a, in a hole to the Astros 3-2, to two, which a couple days ago did not seem how it would be. The Red Sox went out and just clubbed them two games in a row and had a lead in game four and looked like they were going to run away with this thing and then just forgot how to pitch. Uh, so game six is tonight as we record. So we're hoping they can channel some of that 2004 energy and, and come back. And I, I believe they can. They have they have the they have the team to do it. It's certainly not over yet. But I just this has been fun, man. This has been a fun playoffs. It's been exciting, uh, partially because you know. Our team's involved in it. Right. Uh, but it, it, even the Giants, uh, Giants, Dodgers, I'm still on the Giants, uh, the Braves, Dodgers, it's been a fun series. Not the closest games necessarily, but you've seen a lot of really good players perform at a high level. Yeah. And I, I for me, I'd like some change. And I, I'm, and why I say that is because I'd like to see the Braves kind of push, push through and, 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 take the Dodgers out not because I have anything against the Dodgers I just I just want to see something new and realistically outside of supporting my team if the Red Sox weren't there I'd want something new there too like the yep. White Sox would have been a, a good story to go obviously you know national media wants the bigger headlines you know Yankees Dodgers Red Sox Dodgers you know Padres because of of, of the star power they want the headliners I just like to see, you know, something new. The Braves and and there's history with um, the Braves and the Red Sox. Yeah, that would be a nice story right there. Um, and the Astros, obviously, them coming back and, and pulling this off would be pretty pretty miraculous after the couple of years they had of just getting 
beaten media-wise and by fellow players because of this cheating scandal. It's remarkable that they're here. But I want to see the Red Sox pull it off. Oh, of course. Uh, and I think we both stated before, it's it's with the whole Astro scandal thing, um, we, we were a fan of a team and the Patriots that got blamed for just about everything under the sun. Uh, and people are going to say, well, there's no difference. Well, look, a lot of stuff the Patriots did was outdated things. Like, a lot of stuff Belichick did as far as the recording, to whatever extent that did, was not uncommon practice. The only stupid thing was he did not stop when the league outlawed it. He continued to do it. So anybody out there trying to take the high ground saying, oh, no, they cheated. Well, every team used to do it because it wasn't illegal. Uh, kind of like kind of like steroids in the early 90s were not illegal, and then they became illegal, and I'd say, oh, you're doing steroids, you're the worst person ever. Well, they weren't illegal five years ago. Right. So it's like, well, I was doing five years ago. I mean, I'm obviously talking about like something like McGuire in the mid-90s, not right now. That was 30 years ago. But it's just it, it's it's people just got to take things into context and not just be angry their team didn't win. Like, there's a lot of accusations about the the, the Astro started from Game Five, uh, them saying that uh, his forehead looked rather shiny, meaning he had some kind of substance on his forehead. Did they did they and, ask the ump to check? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. People trying to make an excuse that the Red Sox uh, uh, didn't win because of that. I'm a Red Sox fan, but if they didn't ask, they didn't see fit to ask for a check, and the umps didn't check, which I'm sure they do in between innings. I think they do like a certain amount of checks anyways. Now, uh, I don't, I don't. I think the Red Sox just laid an egg the other day. They just got beat by a good team the other day. That happens. You have the Red Sox and the Astros are two very good teams. We're going to play each other competitively. <laughs> Last game wasn't so competitive, but hopefully these next two will be at least this next one. And you know, it's it's I don't I don't I don't like making excuses like that. Kid went out, pitched a good game, and he shut down a really powerful lineup. Good for him. And we'll come back and get you game six hopefully. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like stuff like that. The, the reason I had a problem with the whole Astros thing was the arrogance of the players. They received no punishment. The organization received no punishment. Rob Manfred seemed to, as usual, because he's an absolute weakling and a terrible commissioner. And so, if anybody's wondering, you haven't heard anything on a wire. My 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 stance on Rob Manfred has not improved. Um, it, he just hasn't done anything in a while to. And really... Yeah, exactly, because he doesn't usually do anything, anyways, besides <laughs> screw the game up. Um, but. He did nothing to them, pretty much just allowed every kind of cover for them possible. And then they came out all arrogant, like, well, he didn't do nothing. You know, if they wanted this to not be as ugly as it is now, they could have been like, you know what? We messed up. We're going to downplay it. We screwed up. We got a little too crazy. We got carried away. Our bad. Let's move on. And I think largely, with the exception of maybe the Dodgers, so that's who they beat in that series, I believe, um, they... Most fan bases probably would have let it go, to be honest with you. To an extent, you're always going to have your idiotic fans who hang on to things. I, I I know people who, to this day, to this day, still, anytime the Patriots win, well, Spygate, well, you're dumb. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. If you're still hanging on to that, uh, you, you probably peaked in high school, and you got to let it go. Um, so, yeah, I'm on fire today. Clearly. Um, so... Anything else on baseball? Or are we gonna move on? Um, where do you think it's gonna end for the Red Sox Astros? Oh man, um, I think the Bra- first. I think the Braves close it out in six. Okay. And I think the Red Sox come back and win in seven. 
I, I really, really do. I know what both games will be in Houston. They had a chance to close it out in Boston and didn't. Uh, but I, I really believe this team has the offensive firepower. Uh, and, and it plays best when their back is against the wall. And that's kind of been a trademark on them for a long time. Alex Cora does not let his team panic. People can say what they want about them rehiring him. He's the right guy for this job. He's the right guy for this team. He has the right temperament to, to coach in this city. I hope he's the Red Sox manager for a long, long time. Nothing said that they're probably going to fire him just because I said that. Hopefully I didn't jinx you, Mr. Cora. Apologies if I did. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's he's legit, and I, I think the Sox take it in seven. So uh, I'm, I'm leaning Braves in seven because um, they have Max on the hill tomorrow. The Dodgers do. Yep. So I, I can't discount his ability to shut down oh, sure. their Certainly entire not. lineup. As far as the Red Sox-Astros, I think uh, Red Sox will take tonight's game. Tomorrow, it's almost a coin flip, and since it's the Astros are at home, I'm going to lean Astros because I don't. there's no information on the uh, starters tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So clearly what I think is they're going to see where the game goes, and that's how they're going to dictate their bullpens tonight, and then tomorrow will be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that, but – if I'm the Red Sox, I, I need to hold someone. Um, and Chris Sale, I don't think, had a great outing the no, other day. No. So they can use him in a relief role tonight uh, and throw somebody else. Maybe Erod can go tomorrow, and, and that'll be your starter. And he's, you know, had a, a decent postseason. But – I'm going to lean Astros just for the mere fact I don't know who's starting. And they're at home. As much as I want the Sox to pull it off. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's definitely possible that they, they have fallen too far. But I remember a very, very good Yankees team in 04 that they came back and beat against all odds. So I am not going to lose hope. Um, they more, they're more than capable of doing it. And for all those people knocking Chris Sale – Let's not forget the man missed the last year and a half with Tommy John surgery uh, and then only really pitched, what, four or five starts down the stretch. So he's essentially barely had a spring training and is now at the point he would normally be to start a season. It's not ideal. Uh, I was hoping he could come out guns blazing, but the reality of it is it, it just takes a while to get back in the form. Yeah. It does. It's not. And, and some people have Tommy John and never get back to form. So we'll have to see. I think next season, what, what that really holds for Chris Sale. Um, so, okay, my dog's uh, getting a little getting a little grouchy here. If you hear a growl in the background, must have heard a squirrel outside or something. I don't know. All right, moving on. Derrick Henry. Um, we've had a lot of discussions in the past about Derrick Henry and how he. His speed and physicality combined make him a running back like few we've seen in our lifetime. You got guys who are fast, you got guys who are strong, but both the combined and the consistency was just incredible. Uh, we sort of, I didn't so much as you, uh, and I'm not trying to not trying to throw you under the bus, but you usually question running back signings more than I do. Because running backs can fall off a cliff real quick when it comes to ability because it's such a physical position. Uh, that's not happening with Derrick Henry right now. Who knows what the future holds? But this guy is on a record-setting base currently. 
he has, I mean, ever since he came into the league, he's in his sixth season right now. And he, first couple years he didn't start. He started two games in each of his first two seasons. Then he became the full-time starter late 2018, ran for almost 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns. Ran for almost 1,600 yards in 2019. Ran for over 2,000 last year. And at this rate, he is at almost 800 yards and 10 touchdowns. And by the way, he's played six games. So this is... He's on pace to break the single-season rushing record. And I, he's... He's a monster. I mean, you can't tackle this guy. You can't catch him when he gets an open field. If you've ever, ever gone and seen uh, the clips of his off-season workouts the man is barely human <laughs> and i mean that in the most complimentary way possible i mean he's attaching attaching 200 pound chains to himself and running up hills on the side of highways and attaching truck tires to himself and and running 100 yard sprints i mean this guy's a monster the stuff he does is unreal so when he gets on the football field on sunday and a measly little 280 pound linebacker is coming at him he's like ah, whatever get out of my way who cares <laughs> A cornerback? Are you kidding me? Get over there, Josh Norman. Um, by by evidence, some of the stiff arms this guy has given is the stuff that 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 people who make memes dream of. He, first of all, nobody has ever run for two thousand yards twice. And again, a lot of things can happen between now and the end of the season. He's still a long way from two thousand yards. It's only a pace he's set for, but he is very much on pace to get 2,000 yards again, and nobody has ever really come close to that. So I, I we did a little, before we started recording, I asked you if you could name the eight players. That was horrible. Who um, have run for 2,000 yards, and I'm glad we did it before we started recording, because I thought you'd nail it. I thought right away, like, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. I think you overthought it, because I know you knew a lot of these. I think you just overthought it, and he it was a, it was, it was a full-on struggle. Um, so I'm, I'm going to read down the list of the guys who have done or had an 8,000-yard 8, season. You got me all mixed up now. Who've had a 2,000-yard rushing season. We have, of course, the ever-controversial O.J. Simpson, who, whatever we did off the field, uh, was impressive on the field. And for anybody out there freaking out, I just said that. I'm not justifying anything he did. I'm simply saying on the field. So if you can't make that correlation, just stop listening. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, he ran for 2,003 yards in 1973, and he did that in 14 games. So the pace he was on, it was a full 16-game season, my goodness. Uh, and in fairness to my previous comment, nobody's ever done it twice. He did run for 1,817 yards two seasons later in 1975, also in 14 games. So this was, although back when running backs were built differently, and players were just built differently, I mean... That's why we see a guy like Adrian Peterson now who did it for as long as he has, and it's just, it's mind-boggling. But this used to kind of be the norm. It's like starting pitchers who used to just pitch every third day, complete games, and now it's like you get a guy who pitches three innings, and it's like, God, lock him up long-term. My God, he's a stud. Uh, the next guy is the current holder for the all-time single-season rushing record, Mr. Eric Dickerson. 2,105 yards back in 1984. Uh, he did, again, come close in 1986 with 1,821 yards. 
and then had almost 1700 in 1988 uh but again i'm kind of discounting those two on this list because they were just built differently yeah uh, it was a different time barry sanders uh in my opinion the people are going to disagree the greatest running back of all time no argument um, here uh he was on teams that we're not as bad as the current generation of Lions teams we've seen over the last 10, 15 years, but he was on teams that were not great, to say the least. Only has one playoff win. I think he only made it in like five different seasons. They were not great. Everybody knew Barry Sanders was getting the ball. Everybody could stack the box against this guy, and he still just ran over, through, and around everyone. Uh, he never had a season under 1,100 yards. And this one season that he did was in 1993 when he only played 11 games. He had 1,883 yards in 1994 uh, and then broke the 2,000-yard barrier with 2,053 yards in 1997. And by the way, the next year ran for almost 1,500. Barry Sanders is an anomaly. And like I said, my personal opinion, the greatest running back of all time uh, because he did that on teams without talent and they knew what was coming and he still didn't care. He was still a monster. Now we get into the little bit more modern. Even though Sanders and Terrell Davis were kind of close when they did it, it's just there was a distinct shift in, in the way teams were structured and, and the way running backs were used. Uh, and Terrell Davis only played seven seasons. And he, 1,100 yards, 1,500 yards, 1,700 yards, and in 1998 ran for 2,008 yards. And then after that, uh, absolutely fell off and became a shell of the four seasons previous uh 200 yards the following year just under three the year after that and in 2001 the year he retired ran for 701 yards um just that was never the same after 2000 uh jamal anderson excuse me jamal adams jamal lewis way too many jamals jamal lewis uh, in his fourth season in 2003, ran for 2,066 yards. And while he did have some productive seasons after that, uh, never, ever came anywhere close to that. The whole point of this, by the way, is just to show you how much of a toll it takes on you to run for that much, that many yards. So you have the three guys I said in the beginning who were just different time, different breed, different animal, different build. And the more modern player, there's just something that shifted. Like I said, it's like baseball pitchers. It's, it's just not the same. Uh, it's it just... It, it's different. It, it takes way too much of a toll on you. Chris Johnson, the next player, 2009, ran for 2,006 yards. Ran for over 13 the following season, but that's certainly not 2,000. And then never came close to 2,000 again while he did have some productive seasons. This isn't to knock anybody, by the way. This is 2,000 yards is impressive, and it, it borderline almost gets you in the Hall of Fame just on its own merit. Uh, but... Just just to show you how impressive Derrick Henry is and how unlike other running backs in this generation he really is. The last guy to do it before Henry, Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, uh, defying father time. Again, freak of nature. Has a couple seasons of almost 1,500. Has one of over 1,700 in the second year in 2008. And then in 2012, coming back from injury after torn ACL, ran for 2,097 yards. And then the following year was shortened because of injury. The following year was shortened because of injury after that. Ran for 1,400 the following season in Minnesota and then never came close to that again. While he still played and was competitive, never again. Derrick Henry. We'll see where the story ends on him because he has a long way to go, I believe. 
but like I said, 1100, then almost 1600, then 2000, and this year on pace to break the all-time record. If he goes 2000 back to back, now that I've rambled for quite some time, but I wanted to get all that out there so we had all the content and all the context. He's, along with a couple previous good seasons, maintaining his consistency for this long. Let's not forget, Terrell Davis, I know he has two Super Bowls, so that does obviously, obviously add to it. We've said that before is the difference between Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers. Two rings. <clears throat> Excuse me. If he goes 2,000 back-to-back, and then God knows what else he does in the future, and he can still maintain, even if, it's, even if it doesn't maintain 2,000, if he still maintains a respectable career after that, and it doesn't just wear him out completely, this guy's already put himself in the upper echelon. I mean, he... he uh, let's look at this here. Terrell Davis has 7,600 career rushing yards. Uh, if Derrick Henry doesn't even have to hit 2,000 this year to already surpass Terrell Davis's career rushing record. Terrell Davis is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, Jamal Lewis has 10,000 career rushing yards, but he played four more seasons than Henry had so far. Peterson has, uh, as many years as he's played, and he has played 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 14 years. Has a little under 15,000 rushing yards. Very impressive. But there's a lot of years in there of 75 yards, 72, 81, under 500. It, it takes so much of a toll on him. It's almost like you don't recuperate for two or three years. To do this back-to-back and to be the guy carrying a load. I know they have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. But to be the guy, to know you're the guy, to have everybody else on the field and watching know you're the guy, and to still just run through people, I don't want to overstate it, but that puts you in Barry Sanders' category. So his dominated run does put him in that category of of unstoppable running backs. Um, Terrell Davis got in because... 2,000-yard season, two Super Bowls, what he did in the Super Bowl runs. That's what got, that's what got him in the yeah. Hall of Fame. We, we all know this. Terrell, we all know this. That's what got you in. If you didn't get the Super Bowls, you would be um, Jamal Lewis. And I think Jamal's got a Super Bowl, but like he wasn't the end-all, be-all. When we look at Jamal Lewis and we think of the Ravens that year, what do we think of? That defense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So – he would be Jamal Lewis, Priest Holmes, guys who were very productive, very good, but weren't of that upper echelon. So those two Super Bowl runs in the 2,000-yard season and his production in the postseason got him in the playoffs, uh, got him in the Hall of Fame. I say that because Derrick Henry has not given me a period, dot, and a sentence Hall of Fame career yet. He is on a path. He will need to do this two more seasons <laughs> to kind of put himself in the discussion of Hall of Fame worthiness. Because two more seasons puts him in the 11,000, I think 10,000, 11,000 um, yards. And now you're starting to 
trickle into the categories of of Hall of Famers. I say, does winning a ring change that at all? You know, winning a ring does change that. Okay. You know, you have some exceptions that are Hall of Famers on on the all time list. Uh, you know, Earl Campbell under ten thousand, but to your point, different time, and he had some peaks in his career that that put him in the um, Hall of Fame. I just pointed out Terrell Davis. Outside of that, when you start seeing more and more Hall of Fame running backs, you start with OJ at 11,000. And that's kind of the number you want to reach if you don't have the postseason hardware to really bump your, your, um, your candidacy. That's why Curtis Martin is in the Hall of Fame because he's got 14,000 yards. That mm-hmm. is a, a tremendous career. Plus of what he did in the passing game, Barry Sanders is a different. He is an exception to the role. He is there because he was one of the greats. I just, I, I don't. He's not there yet. He, if he stopped today, he would not be in. Um, and and the point you brought up about um his contract, I actually like his contract for both. For both te- team and player, I think it gives him an opportunity um, to get a new contract at age 29 or age 30, whatever you want to. Whenever you determine that marker is right, um, technically in 2024 he'll be 30, but he could still be on the right side of 30. And then the, the Titans can make a decision at that point: Do we want to move on from Derrick Henry? Uh, do we want to go younger? We want to form, reform the offense. You know, this this opens up avenues. And I think it just makes Derrick Henry's ability to say, all right, are we going to go down this road for about three or four years? Or are we gonna, am I going to go to another team for three or four years? And it's going to be more of my style of offense, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, because that could play to his advantage. And that will be the difference between him and, being one of the greats and not because that that decision well one obviously staying healthy for the next two years no two and a half because this is your year's not over next two and a half years staying healthy and then two three more years puts him in close to the mid-30s the 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 problem with derrick henry is going to be when he loses a step or even a half a step What's that going to look like? Is he going to be able to hit that hole quicker, as quick as he used right, to? Right. He can truck somebody all he wants, but as we've seen, big running backs can get stuffed. Sure. Because they don't get that momentum. You pointed out uh, Josh Norman getting the stiff arm. He had a lot of momentum going. When Derrick Henry gets going, he's very, very hard to stop. That's why you want to cut him down before he gets going. So. It's really all up to the offense he plays in, what the Titans decide to do in two or three years, and how his body is going to hold. If he puts another 2,000-yard season up, so let's say he does 2,000 yards this season, it is very difficult for me to stay stand here and say he's not going to get in the Hall of Fame. But if he does nothing else, and I mean... I'm talking about absolutely nothing. Now you're now you're arguing 
his peak was two years. Right. And or three years, if you want to call it three years. His peak is three years. And and you know, Terrell got Terrell was it was a, a bit of time for him to get in the Hall of Fame because there was people that said, you know, well, he only had a few seasons. Not not like generational talent for five, six, seven years. It was a few seasons where he peaked. That argument could be made about him if he does nothing after the season. So it's really it could be this he could turn into a generational talent of of what we've never seen. The advantage he has over some players. You pointed out he played two games his first season, two games in his second season. I think that helped him. Because look at his college stats. His senior no, I'm sorry, his junior season at Alabama, he ran for the 395 times. 395 times. By the way, a, side, lot of, a lot of carries. Side note, 2,219 yards. I know it's college, but still. If you want to go technical, where do you go to school? Alabama. Yeah, they're not playing. Yeah, they're not playing cupcakes in Alabama. No, they no, are, SEC country. Some real competition. No, 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 no. So technically, if you want to say, Chris, he already has two 2,000 yard seasons, but it is college. I will give you that. But I think those first two seasons really helped him uh, because that, that senior season, that was something something to behold. Or, I'm sorry, junior season was something to behold. And that gave him two years to kind of, okay, get used to the speed of the mm-hmm. game, get my body back to where it needs to be because 395 yards in SEC country is not, not fun. It's not fun. And now look at him. He's got – Potentially four straight seasons of over a thousand yards, and if he pulls two thousand yards this year, it, it's it is something as you pointed out we have not seen. I want to see what the next season is and the following season is because if he put, if he puts down even eighteen or seventeen hundred yards each season, he's going to start. He's starting to creep up that uh that leaderboard. Yeah, real quick. Still at a decently young age. I don't want to say he could threaten. He could. I'm sorry, not threaten. He could. I don't think he could overcome the record by Emmett. But it could. He could. He could see the light if he puts up some miraculous seasons, and that'd be something. To, that'd be. That'd be something to look at to to behold. Because, as you pointed out, we just haven't seen anyone in recent years yeah. be this dominant. Because, one, the players are bigger. And, two, we know where the offense went. It went air raid, right. RPOs, All the, yeah. spread. It just it doesn't – his game does not translate to what most NFL teams do. And you have to, you have to decisively choose to go this route, which the Titans have. Right. I think, you know, as far as getting the Hall of Fame, I think it's either longevity and consistency, uh, such as a guy like Adrian Peterson, who obviously had some flashes, but he's been doing it for so long. A guy like Frank Gore could end up in the Hall of Fame. And Frank Gore never had a season where he was really super dominant. He's just been very, very good for a long time. And then you have your guys like Terrell Davis and Kurt Warner. I know Kurt Warner was a quarterback, not a running back. 
but those guys didn't have super long primes, but they were so dominant and they got the ring. They got the cherry on top. And that's really the two ways you do it. I mean, nobody's mediocre for a long time and gets it. And nobody doesn't have a good run and get it. It's just how it goes. Um, yeah. And I just want to make, make one thing very clear. I'm, I'm not saying at this point that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, Derrick Henry is Emmett Smith or Barry Sanders or Walter Payton. I'm saying you don't very often see guys who have the potential to reach that level. I personally don't think Emmett Smith's all-time rushing record would ever be broken. I personally don't. Just It's just not the way the game is played this day and age. Uh, but when you see somebody who, if they do this, if they do that, if they stay healthy, has a legit chance, while it may be a long shot, it's exciting. So it warrants discussion, and that's what we're here for is to talk about sports topics. So that's what we do. Uh, it's a little bit like my Shohei Otani comparison to Babe Ruth earlier in the baseball season. You know, I had some people ask, you know, a question, how could you say he's Babe Ruth? Well, I didn't. I said you don't very often see somebody who can pitch and hit so dominantly. He's the first person since Babe Ruth. I can remember doing it at that high level where he goes for the rest of his career because he's still young. People forget that is up in the air and Derek Henry is too and we'll see a time will tell but it's exciting and it always warrants discussion speaking of discussion you're going to enjoy this next topic because this is going to prove something you've been saying for a number of years oh I enjoy that uh yes you do who doesn't honestly who doesn't anybody out there who says they don't enjoy being right is well wrong uh Dan Campbell the very soft-spoken head coach of the Detroit Lions uh, has no problem calling out his starting quarterback, Jared Goff. Neither do I. Uh, no, and justifiably so, because let's let's be honest. Uh, he, I mean, well, we'll get into that, <laughs> things you've said about him. Dan Campbell recently said after the most recent Lions loss, the 0-6 Lions, by the way, uh, who were, were in some games – you know, they had a, a game against the Ravens they were in. They had another one against uh, another opponent. I think it was a week after that. I can't remember who it was. But they were close, and they just – the Lions just find new and heartbreaking ways to lose. Uh, but Dan Campbell said about Jared Goff, quote, feel like he needs to step up more than he has. He's going to need to put a little bit of weight on his shoulders uh, here, and it's time to step up, end quote. Um, you, for a long time – when pretty much the entirety of his run with the L.A. Rams called Sean McVay Jared Goff's security blanket. Yeah. He was essentially, you said he was McVay's puppet. <laughs> McVay uh, pretty much used the physical ability that Goff has to do what he wanted to do on the field. Essentially, like McVay was playing Madden with Jared Goff as his, you know, avatar. Correct. Um, and now that he comes to a place in the Lions, where Dan Campbell is not going to spoon-feed him. He's going to make him try to actually learn an offense. A crazy thought. Um, you're seeing exactly what a lot of people saw in store for Goff without McVeigh there to essentially spoon-feed him what to do. And Goff has not been successful in that. He has not looked great. Uh, if it wasn't for the complete lack of depth at the quarterback position for the Lions... Um, <laughs> this guy probably wouldn't be the starter still, honestly. Like, do understand this is intentional, yes? What's that? Uh, 
playing Jared Goff and, and this whole experiment. It's intentional. Oh, of course. It's either either A, it was going to be successful, and they have their quarterback in the future, and they could build around him, and they were having success. Mm-hmm. Option B is what he, exactly what's gonna, happening. He's going to be terrible, and they're going to get the first pick in the draft, and there's about one quarterback, maybe two in this draft, that are projecting to be decent, and it's not the players that were at the beginning of the season. Obviously, as the season goes on, we, we right. find new players, i.e. Joe Burrow. Um, I don't know if this is going to work out well for them. There is some talent, but like the, the only advantage is, uh, what did they get out of that trade? They got a, they uh, two got first round two picks. first. They got another first yeah. round pick, so they'll have the first and whatever the yeah the Rams end up being. I where so the Rams are going is going to be somewhere in the high twenties. Yeah, and then they can just cut. I think they can just cut loose uh, Jared Goff. Um, I believe after the season. Uh, they'd have to wait till after next season. To, it, it, I mean, they could, but it's a big cap hit if they do. But they could probably carry him and have a rookie start. But that's exactly yeah. what they were doing. They were hoping one of the two was going to happen because they got the second first-round pick. That's all they wanted because they weren't going to go anywhere with Stafford, which, by the way, apparently is working well in L.A. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, when you put a guy with talent around him, and a solid structure and a decent coaching staff. Um, and I'm, I know people will say, only decent, Sean McVay. Well, let's let's have him do it more than one year. Yeah. McVay did make it to the Super Bowl, but they didn't win, but had a great team. And he's been good since then. Let's let's see a little bit more consistency. Right. Uh, and, you know, then, hey, then we can start, then we can start blaming uh, McVay's success on um, Stafford and saying he's only good because Stafford was there, much like Brady and Belichick. So we can I have mean, that stupid argument again. He's having an incredible season: sixteen touchdowns, oh, he, four interceptions. No, no knock on Stafford. I've, I've been a big, I've been big on Stafford for a long time. I thought if he got out of there and he could stay healthy, he'd be good. Um, not this good, or I would not have released Cooper Cup before the fantasy season started, which is just my team would be a damn dynamo if I still had him. And I, I don't, I don't know if I might. My logic for releasing him was sound. He'd been inconsistent and an yeah. inconsistent coaching staff with a quarterback who has missed two of the last three seasons with broken bones in his back. Fair. And I figured I'd much rather take a Jaguars receiver who might light it up with Trevor Lawrence over Cup who'd been inconsistent. I'm also a big fan of Cooper Cup on the field in real life, not just fantasy. So it really hurts me that he's having this success and I bailed on him. Uh, plus, my team has disappeared on me in fantasy, so. I just wanted to bring that up because I figured you'd uh, you'd enjoy being no, right it, about Jared Goff, um, but not really a whole lot more on the story. But I mean, you've been you've been saying that for a long time that once the training wheels come off, he's just going to fall over on the sidewalk. He's he's going to uh, look. I wish no ill will to any quarterbacks no. in the league or any players in the league. Well, it's never personal. He's going to carry a clipboard after the season on the Lions and on any other team that he ends up on. It's unfortunate for him. And if you're not good enough to quarterback the maybe one or two win Lions, it kind of tells you all you need to know. Right. Maybe Houston will get him next year. Maybe they'll trade for him. Who knows? They paid a lot of money to Brock Osweiler, so we'll see. Uh, we go from that to a nice story. Uh, recording on Friday. So, of course, we have the benefit of watching the Thursday night game 
the night before. Uh, the Broncos and the Browns, the injury decimated Browns offense last night. Mayfield was out, Kareem Hunt was out, Nick Chubb was out. Uh, and in steps Dearness Johnson. Uh, I guess I would call him at least the third string running back for the Browns. Kid goes for 22 carries for 146 and a touchdown and caught both of his targets for 22 yards. Well, now, in and of itself, it's a very nice game, very impressive, good job. What makes this story nice and even more impressive is the story of Dearness Johnson. Two years ago, this guy was DMing AAF fo- football teams. Uh, what was that? That's the Arena League, right? AAF? No, it was American Alliance football. Oh, I have no idea. That was the one that um, started, and they bellied up because oh, yeah, okay. they couldn't play because of... Right, COVID. right, yeah. Like the next FL, essentially? Yes. Yeah. Well, he was just wanting a tryout. Just very nicely writing the teams, being like, hey, I used to play for uh, wherever he went to school. I forgot. Um, and then, apparently, he was in the Saints camp 2018, didn't make the team, and just really wanted to play football. And went out last night and helped an injury-depleted team get a big win when a lot of their star players could not be on the field, really carried the offense, and it's just a good story. Who knows where it goes from here? This could be a Jonas Gray situation with the Patriots where he goes out and runs for 200 yards and four touchdowns on Sunday night against the Colts and then never suits up for the team again. Who knows? Uh, I wish the kid well. I have no idea what, what the future brings for him, but... It's a good story because it, it just shows people just stick with it. Even things that, you know, seem impossible. And it's going to sound cheesy, but I don't really care. Uh, just stick with it. You know, there you can make something better if you just keep putting the effort in. Um, and this could have a really good ending. You never know. This, if Hunt and Chubb miss a few more games, this kid goes out there and keeps performing at a high level, you could... I think the NFL trade deadline is week seven. So you more than likely wouldn't see him traded this year, but he could definitely find himself uh, a job in the offseason. Because, I mean, he's restric- let's face it. He's a restricted free agent. Yeah. Browns aren't getting rid of Hunt and Chubb. At least not Chubb. No, so I, I would keep him. And if he showed more and was consistent with the opportunities, now you entertain the idea of, of sending one of the other ones because you'll get more value out of them. And keep uh, Deanna's Johnson because he's going to be a restricted free agent next year. That'll be it'll be still under good money, uh, or option three. Keep all three. Yeah. Well, financially it'd be possible because oh, he yeah. probably even even if he had a good rest of the year, he probably wouldn't be a high value. But I mean, look, we've seen it before. We've seen it with Matt Flynn. We've seen it with college players a lot. You have one good game, yeah, and people it's a mad dash to either draft you or sign you to a contract after the season. Matt Flynn got a big contract from Seattle because of one essentially garbage time game for the Packers at the end of the 2011 season. Started 2012 in camp as the starter, and then they drafted a guy by the name of Russell Wilson, and it didn't work out so good for Matt Flynn. But he still got well, money. It actually did work out pretty good for him. He got a nice-sized contract and didn't have to do more than carry a clipboard and make coffee. So that's not a bad gig. Um but, yeah, it's it's just, like I said, it's just, you know, a lot of times we talk about players doing stupid things or bad things happen. This is a nice story, and good for him. And even if he's one and done, even if he even if this was his one moment in the sun, and I'm not wishing that on him, like I said, I, I wish him nothing but the best. 
it's still really cool. He got that moment. He got that time. Right. He got to run down the field and score a touchdown and and be the focal point of an offense for at least a game. So if this is it for him, and he just has this one moment, cool. Um, based on what I saw yesterday, I think I think he could be a valuable asset to this offense, though. So we'll we'll see what the rest of the season and career holds for him. But you know, good for him, and um, you know, good luck. Uh, <laughs> this is not really an important story, just kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, Tom Brady, who has, love him or hate him, anybody could really admit has done just about anything in, in, in the league, owns a majority of the vital passing records, seven-time Super Bowl champion, been to more Super Bowls than just about anybody. Hell, he's been to more Super Bowls than just about any two or three franchises you can throw together. For the first time in his career, this Sunday, Michigan's Tom Brady will face a, an Ohio State starting quarterback. The man's played 22 seasons. Played just about everybody. Beaten every team. Sadly, including the Patriots. And for the first time in his illustrious career, will face an Ohio State starting quarterback. Wow. Now... I'm going to cede the floor to you, Ben, because as an avid Michigan fan and despiser of Ohio State, although you have been very fair to Justin Fields, and whenever they have a great player come out, you're very, very non-biased and fair. Um, I know you're going to have comments about this being the first Ohio State quarterback that Tom Brady has played. So, the floor is yours, sir. Give me, give me one second. I just want to make sure. Yes, I just talked for two minutes, and it, 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 people okay. want to hear you taking your drink. That's okay, what, that's what they wanted. Good job. Let me just <clears throat> good content. Let me just run down this list real quick. Um, just as uh, context, Chris, what year was Tom Brady drafted by the New England Patriots? Two thousand. What year did he first start? Two thousand one. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to go starting in, let's say, two thousand three. Okay. Potential quarterbacks that Tom Brady could face in said NFL. <clears throat> Craig Krenzel. Sounds fake. Uh, it's real. It I, sounds like when you're playing Madden and you get to the end of the season as a draft and they just put two names together. Okay, then you got like this. Or one. it sounds like the evil Santa Claus. It, it, then this one's going to get better. Uh, Justin Zwick. Yep. Uh, Troy Smith. Oh, that guy. Remember that guy. him? Yeah, yeah, the great Troy Smith. P- played uh, played a minute at. Um, Baltimore and uh, yeah, uh, Todd Beckman. Nope. Terrell Pryor. Oh, I, don't, I don't know who Terrell Pryor is, but he was a better receiver than quarterback. I oh, only played receiver in the pros, I think. Yeah. Which is why I think Tom Brady did face him, but again, he was a receiver. Yes. Uh, Braxton Miller. Okay. Came in as a receiver, yeah. not a quarterback. JT Barrett. <sighs> never quite, never quite got a starting gig. Holds a mean clipboard though. Ah, yes, he does. Cardell Jones. Again, heard of him, but not now, in the pros. Yeah. yeah. Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. yeah. Now, he got he had a season with the, the, the Washington football team, but unfortunately, the Patriots never played him. And then, yeah, of course. because that would have been an easy win. Right. So, it took all the way to the 2019 starter for the Ohio State Buckeyes, Justin Fields. Well, technically, 2019-2020. Um to finally face somebody all that time, all that trash at starting quarterback 
And finally, someone who can represent their college as a top-tier quarterback has finally made it to well, face Tom Brady. We'll have to see what the future holds for Justin Fields. I mean, I think he's going to be really good. Yeah. But to call him top-tier already is a bit much. That's fair. That's fair. But compared to the trash that – Oh, compared has, to the rest of the guys you named, he's already Joe Montana. I mean, I mean, he let, let me put it this way. He could have potentially faced – Curb Street or Bobby Hoying had they had longevity in their career, but they didn't. Obviously, Kirk Curb Street is has a great career as a TV analyst, and Bobby Hoying, I think he had a little bit of a career, but not great. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it just tells you that for the longest time, Ohio State won on running backs, talented wide receivers, defense. and defense. Yeah, big time defense. Um, because there's been a litany of, of wide receivers to come out of Ohio State. Yet, why hasn't the quarterback have translated? Right, right. Because it's not there. It's just not there. Um, well, you could argue the same thing with like an Alabama. Known for their defense, receivers, running backs, but not a whole lot of great quarterback. Talent. Only recently, yeah. yeah Two uh, Tua and Mac Jones the last couple of years. Two and, and Mac Jones, uh, you could say uh, uh, Jalen Hurts is getting a start. Okay, yeah. Um, but yes. I thought he went to Ohio State. Didn't he Ohio State? No, Jalen no. Hurts, he went to Alabama, and then for his senior season, he transferred to uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, that's okay. Right. Um, but, yes, uh, Bama's known for defense and, and, and wide receivers. We've we, The NFL is littered with Alabama wide receivers. Oh, yeah. Um, Good ones, too. Yes. So, I, I it is miraculous that it took till 2021 – for Tom Brady to face a Ohio State quarterback in the NFL. Um, how this is going to turn out? Well, I think it's just going to turn out like every other team that has faced the Buccaneers this year. Um, either it's going to be a tight win by the Bucs or it's going to be a blowout by the Bucs. I, Justin's I, – I've said this since the beginning of the season. They needed to start the offseason with Justin Fields – as the starter, build the offense around Justin Fields, and you might have a little bit more success with this offense, with you know a connection with Allen Robinson, who is absolutely useless outside right now because of the way they're they're yeah. formatted their offense. Yeah, you're getting nothing out of the running backs. You're getting nothing out of tight end. You just it's well. In fairness, the running backs are right injured. Really, I mean Montgomery is out. Uh, the uh, Darrell Williams, uh, the third stringer, is out. Uh, Tariq Cohen, I don't think, has played yet this season. So they're down to Khalil Herbert, who looks looked good last week. Yeah. But still, yeah. But you're getting nothing out of Allen Robinson because right. they're right. probably throwing two guys at him every single down. And that wears on you. Just ask uh, Calvin Johnson for his entire career. Yeah, yeah. But I think it'll be – Oh, eye-opening event for Justin Fields because it's you're just gonna be able to see a quarterback that's command. I have a command of the offense, able to put the ball exactly where he wants it, and he just it's it, it is this. I think this weekend could just expedite the Chicago Bears outing Nagy as the head coach. You're I think Bears, this, you're a Bears fan. Just hope for that. Well, I, I don't think they want him around anymore. I think I think honestly, Nagy needs to just be gone. 
and you bring in an offensive-minded, I think there's a guy down in Kansas City that could take a player like Justin Fields at quarterback and do great things with him. Who's that, Ben? Eric Bieniemy. E- Ooh, yeah, it's almost like he's been that for like four years. Now. I, I think, think I've been um, coaching job. Yeah, I think you've yeah. been pounding the table for I think him. Anybody with any kind of sense, much like a Robert Sala, would be a defensive minded. Mm-hmm. You need a guy to come in and help your offense. I don't know how the enemy is still, unless he just wanted to be a coordinator because he enjoyed his time down there. But or he's picking the right job. Yeah, which when you have his resume, you can't do. So good I for mean, him. Maybe Houston wasn't the opportunity for him because he saw the writing on the yeah, wall. No kidding. Good man, woof, man. David Culley's not. E, oof. He's man. not doing well. The enemy, if, if he, yeah, if he was even considering Houston, he's glad. You dodged a bullet with that one, buddy. All right, now we're gonna go through. Before we tell you what we're doing for our show next week, we're gonna go through real, real quick. We're not gonna get crazy on this, but we're gonna go through the eight division leads right now, and we're gonna tell you if we think they're gonna stay there. Or if they're in danger of losing their spot to somebody. We're not going to get in the wild cards or anything crazy because that just gets that's way too in the right. leads. And we've already gone 50 minutes and we don't want to do a two-hour show today. And Ben and I could definitely go for an hour on this. Yes. So we're going to start with the NFC. Okay. And we're going to start with, if the Niners were fully healthy, what I, and the Seahawks as well, what I think would be the, uh, definitely one of the more competitive divisions in the league. The NFC West... Mm-hmm. Currently, the six and zero Arizona Cardinals sit on top, followed by the five and one Los Angeles Rams, uh, who they actually beat. So, you know, there's almost a two game lead there. If you, you know, not really, but you know, if, if you're a football fan, you know what I'm talking about. You think the Cardinals stay on top, or do you think Rams come up and, and kind of a little more experience, you know, push them down to a wild card spot? I think the Cardinals stay on top. Yeah, they just picked too. up, and they just picked up Zach Ertz. Yeah, I just, I just expands the offense just a little bit more. Like it needed help. Oh, and if it, by the way, if DeAndre Hopkins is having a bad game, you throw it to Christian Kirk. Oh, by the way, if he's not there, you throw it to Rondale Moore, or you throw it to any of the running backs who just seem to be. They just go to Arizona, and whatever system they're in, just work. I mean, you have Chase Edmonds. Yep. And uh, would look good for a while. And then you have also uh, James Conner, who couldn't stay healthy in Pittsburgh. Right. And has more more than once stolen a vulture to touchdown from me on the goal line from Kyler Murray. Yeah, I'm going. The Rams will absolutely be there until the end. They're one of the best teams. And this, is, this, this, to me, actually is kind of like a, a Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, San Francisco Giants situation. We're going to have two of the best teams in football fighting for one division, and then you're going to have an exceptionally good wild card team with probably 12 to 13 wins. So I'd think the Cardinals stay on top too, though. The North, we have the Green Bay Packers at 5-1, and one, uh, who have looked, besides week one, they've looked fine. Although there's, of course, whining online that Rodgers needs weapons because that's what happens in Green Bay, apparently. Um... The Vikings are tied with the Bears, believe it or not, at 3-3. Three and three. I've said this before. I think the Vikings are the best three-win team I remember seeing in my lifetime because they have some two of those games they easily could have won if something just went different. And then there's, of course, the Lions, who are about as much of a threat as a basket of soft, fluffy kittens. <laughs> um, 
Packers stay on top, or you think the Vikings or Bears catch them? Packers stay on top. I, I, I have no faith in the Vikings, which, by the way, um, side note, Chris, I've talked to a couple of Vikings fans. I, you would not believe how much they will protect and defend Kirk Cousins. Oh, of course. Yeah. It is. It is. They almost feel obligated to just stand on that wall and say, no, 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 no. He's not as bad as you think. But he is because he hasn't done anything for you. And Chicago, I just think, I think it's going to explode and maybe next year, the year after for the Chicago Bears. But right now, yeah. Packers will stay on top until. Aaron Rodgers is gone. I agree. Packers stay on top. Uh, the Vikings, I think, finish second. And I think they're going to be in a hunt for a wild card. I think they're a good team. Uh, Cousins is great when there's zero pressure, when they're already 0-2. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, he's had good games, but I don't know. There's something, something very unsettling about the ball being in his hands when it matters. I mean, he can't hand it off to Dalvin Cook. Um, so... We'll see if he maintains his good pace this year because when he hasn't thrown a pick, he's looked exceptional. So we'll see. The Bears, injuries, and just trying to sort out Justin Fields and I was in the run out offense. And the fact Matt Nagy is a tool uh, will keep them from being a playoff team. And the Lions are also there. Um, NFC East. And boys, the Cowboys on top, 5 and 1. Uh, their defense is. Trayvon Diggs has been amazing yeah but besides that they've given up a lot of points defensively but that offense is absolutely insane i mean they are dak zeke cd lamb who i don't care what anybody says is the wide receiver one on that team um amari cooper also plays three games a year for him he's uh, already checked in once, he's already right? checked in one so, he has two so more we games got two more year. coming if he's smart he'll save one for the playoffs but i think i know where you're going to go on this one because I mean, what, After the five and one Cowboys, you have the two and four Washington football team, the two and four Philadelphia Eagles, and the one and five lowly injury ridden New York Giants. Like, th- this is what it would have been last year had Dak not Dak stayed healthy. Th- yeah. This would have been exactly a mirror image of last year. They're they're just gonna keep. They'll win their division games or two and zero in division games. They're gonna probably go. I will I will grant a division loss somewhere. Maybe at the end of the season, so they at least go five and zero. They could go or five and one. They could go six and zero. But there's just there's no way because Washington can't figure out their quarterback. Uh, Tyler Henneke's eh, he's good. He's eh, he's good. Obviously, Fitzpatrick is probably not going to ever start for the Washington football team. I thought the Eagles had their answer at quarterback. Um, maybe they just don't have their answer at how the offense is going to run. And Giants, Joe Judge is if it's not Matt Nagy, or not Matt. Matt Nagy, right? That's his first name, right? Nagy? For the Bears? Yeah. 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 Sometimes it's just not – doesn't ring in my head for some reason. But if it's not Matt Nagy first, it might be Joe Judge. Very possible. It's, it's just – Daniel Jones doesn't look great. Saquon is productive. Wide receivers, uh, I don't think they can stay on the field. Evan Ingram – it's offensively they're just a mess, and defensively it's it, they're being affected by the offense, and it's just it's Dallas Cowboys are just going to cruise to this division easily, I would say. Dallas could probably just rest after week ten and they probably could. still get enough wins to win this. Oh division. yeah, Dallas could say, "Hey guys, if you can combine, the three of you can combine for as many wins as we get, 
one of you can have the division. I still don't think they will succeed in doing so. And this is the perfect scenario for Amari Cooper because he he doesn't need to have those games. Yeah. If, if right, they put in two more game, two more wins, they will have such a distance above above Washington Eagles that he can have a sub par season for his standards. That it won't even matter. It won't be on the it won't be on the message boards. It won't be on Dallas News Radio. It won't be. Mario Cooper sucks because it won't matter because right. you pointed out CeeDee Lamb is probably the wide receiver one. Zeke be. Elliott Zeke Elliott is having mm. a having a good season. Dak is orchestrating the offense like he like he's been there for years. And even Pollard's participating in mm-hmm. uh, the offense. So I think they're just having a nice rotation of the running back position. Th- this is the perfect scenario for Jerry. And, and he's probably Grinning ear to ear, seeing the standings looking like this. Well, if it wasn't for the bow ties, we'd notice. Um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, yeah, it's gonna be the Cowboys for sure. NFC South, five and one Tampa Bay Buccaneers, followed by the three and three Saints, who are three and two Saints, excuse me, and the three and three Panthers, who have looked like two entirely different teams this year. Uh, and the two and three Falcons. So I mean, we're with exception of the Bucks. That division is, is you know, it's right there. Um, Falcons somehow two and three, while having a minus forty three point differential, which is a mind boggling. Um, I mean, it's still gonna be the Bucks, right? I mean, the Bucks. It's look Brady. Brady looks another answer. Is there another answer? Brady looks like he's ten years younger. Um, he's a, a freak of nature and defies time every time he steps onto the field. Uh, the the rest of that team, the, the secondary has been decimated, but they're still winning games because they're scoring 40 points a game. Uh, and they still have a good defensive line and linebacking core. Uh, so the healthier this team gets, the more dangerous they're going to get, obviously. And that's saying something because they're still 5-1. and one. So for me, it's, it's Tampa Bay. New Orleans might make a run on a wild card. Carolina's got to decide who and what they are, and if Sam Darnold's going to see ghosts or expel his demons from New York. And the Falcons are also in that division. So Here's the problem. For the rest of the division, they haven't played each other yet. It's one game for each team. So Bucks still have five games to win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which they should against those teams. Right. I don't think the Saints are – going to manufacture enough points to out outrun uh, Tom. Um, you pointed out what Carolina's issues are, and I thought I thought they were building an offense that could sustain without CMC, and clearly it's not, not the case. And Atlanta is in transition. When they're going to transition from another quarterback remains to be seen. Uh it didn't happen this year, Chris. It's not going to happen this offseason uh, unless they get Aaron Rodgers for some reason. He's going to Denver. I just – there's no other answer right now except for the Bucks. Okay. Let's move on to the AFC. So far, we're, we're – this is a, this is a, flaw, a wash because we're agreeing on pretty much yeah, everything. But, it, it, but, I mean – It's not really – you need cataclysmic injuries to – yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I'm not knocking. I mean, this is how we, this is, 
we didn't rehearse this. We're not just agreeing to agree. We agree because we both watch this game long enough and know what we're looking for. So. Like, look, look at the teams, Chris. It's literally in the NFC. It is quarterback driven to the emptieth degree. Yeah, it is. The only reason why the Vikings might be in it is because of Kirk Cousins. The only reason why the Vikings are going to be out of it is Kirk Cousins. And the reason they're going to be in it is Dalvin Cook. Yeah. But it's just, you know, if, if Jimmy G was the starting quarterback for the Niners, maybe we have a different story. But it it's literally the top five teams are there because of their starting quarterbacks. Right. And that includes the L.A. Rams, who are second in their division. It, it it might come down to, and I know we're going to talk about the wire card, but it might come down to which which quarterback is playing better. Is it Kirk Cousins? Does Jimmy G come back? Does Russell Wilson come back? Um, does I, I don't know how to say this. Does Jameis Winston not throw the ball to the other team enough to put the Saints in a position? That's what it's going to come down to because I just don't think unless Dak, Aaron Rodgers, Tom, or Kyler Murray – get injured, those teams will just continue to continue to cruise in their divisions. All right. On to the AFC, we have the AFC South. Tennessee on top at 4-2. And, and we have Indy at 2-1-4 and Houston and Jacksonville at 1-5. I think we can both agree, at least for this season, Houston and Jacksonville are no threats. Uh, while there have been some surprisingly promising pieces. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has not lived up to the hype so far. I don't necessarily blame him for that because his own head coach after five games cannot stop being a distraction. Uh, Houston is kind of what we thought they would be a better defense than offense, but I mean, it looked okay with Tyrod Taylor, but Davis Mills is a rookie and whatever he may or may not be. Uh, you probably won't see till after a full season of playing. So it's Colts and the Titans, and I, I. This all comes down to a healthy Derrick Henry. Um, without a doubt, I think even if they were to lose Tannehill, they'd be okay. If they were to lose, you know, they have played games without uh, AJ uh, AJ Brown and Julio Jones. Now they did lose to the Jets when they were out without both those guys. But, I mean, there's really, I mean, you really expect to. A.J. Brown's on the trajectory to be a potential Hall of Fame wide receiver. And and Julio Jones is already there, in my opinion. And you have both of those guys out against a good defense. You're going to struggle. So I don't blame them for that, necessarily. Um, For me, Tennessee takes his division. Indy, while they can run the ball well. The defense is not what it was last year. It's one of a couple of teams I'm going to say that about. This defense is not what it was. Uh, I was going to say about the Washington football team as well, real quick going back. That offense would be serviceable if that defense wasn't bottom of the barrel, and I don't know how they are because they were studs last year. So, much like Washington, Indy's got to figure out they put out some money on defense this year in the offseason, exactly who they are on defense. Because right now, they're 2-4 and four and have a net point differential of plus 8. So they're not scoring. They've only scored 8 more points than they've given up. You don't win a lot of games doing that. No. I don't care how it balances out. You just don't. So 
Although Tennessee, oddly enough, at four and two, only has a differential of five, so <laughs> they're kind of an anomaly. But um, yeah, Tennessee for me. I think here's is, and I think with Colts and and as you pointed out, Washington football team, it's about can the offense construct long drives to give their defense time to get a breather? Because if they're if any good defense is on the field too too long, they're just they're just gonna get worn out. And I don't have the numbers on possession times for each game for both teams. All I have is, you know, the points for and points against. And that tells me that the Colts are in games, but they're just not winning them. And I just I can't put it on Carson Wentz because I don't think it's completely his fault. I just don't know if they completely understand what their offense is supposed to be. Should it be? Should they just do what the Tennessee Titans did and just go all in with the running back? Because they had a successful. I think they had a successful game running. I know. I know they had a successful game running the ball last week because I had a very good. I had a very good weekend with with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, they won thirty-one to three, but. It, who was it against, Chris? Houston Texans. Yeah. So take that with a grain of salt. It's just you have to figure out what you want to do on offense and wide receiver-wise. I just don't know if they, they have the depth. I, I think T.Y. Hilton just came back, didn't he? I believe so, yes. And you haven't seen it, – it's really all about can Carson Wentz elevate the team because you're going to need that. And I just don't think it's in there. And no. as we pointed out early in the episode, there's a beast in Tennessee that's just going to run over everybody. Yep. So I just I don't think because they're so far back right now. I don't care that there's a, another game in the schedule this year. There's two games ahead, and the Titans who they they beat two division opponents. They beat the Colts already, and they beat the Jags already. So. Like they're already. Oh, I keep forgetting about that seventeenth game. That's a whole different dynamic to the whole two thousand. It is, yards but Derrick Henry thing. Yeah. But for this, yeah, the, for, the, for that it almost yeah. locks them in. But but for this, it just they've already got one up on the the Colts in a win. They could easily blow them out again, and that's it. Put the put the Colts to bed. And uh, we don't. I don't think. I don't think the Texans and the Jags are going to do anything, especially when the Texans have an elite quarterback sitting on the bench because they don't know what's going to happen with him. Right. And you didn't make that, you didn't take that chance early in the offseason when he yep. said he didn't want to be there and you said, no, 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 we're going to convince him and then everything came out and now could you're kind of stuck with well, him. Could have gotten a haul for him. You could have gotten a record setting number so, of first round picks. And I'm not saying in hindsight, oh, you should have done it because that all that stuff with him um, came out. I'm saying the guy didn't want to play there. You should have taken it your shot when you had it, especially with Nick Casario coming in, new GM, new opportunity. You bring in a new head coach. Why not start with a new starting quarterback that someone wants to be there and be this franchise, the face of the franchise, and you could have got a top. Well, what did the Miami Dolphins? I think they had the – the fourth pick or the third pick? Yeah. Off the top of my head? Yeah. You could have got somebody there. Yep. Plenty yeah, they had the third because they traded to San Fran. So there, there are plenty yeah. there. 
plenty there. All right, moving on. We have the AFC East, the four and two Bills, followed by the two and four Patriots and the one and four Jets, and bringing up the rear, the surprising one and five Miami Dolphins, who are a goal line fumble by New England away from being zero and six. I know two has been out, but um, like he wasn't out last week, and they didn't, they still did not look great. Um, their defense, much like a lot of defenses in the AFC East. Uh, it's pretty much non-existent. They've given up. Ooh, I want to say. No, it looks like Washington has given up the most. Yeah, Washington's given up the most. They are they are close to giving up the most points allowed in the entirety of the league. Um, look, the Bills, the Bills are the best team in the AFC, in my opinion. There's other teams that are going to be competitive. You have the Chargers, maybe the Chiefs there, the Ravens. Uh, I think the way they're built, offense and defense, the Bills are their best team in the AFC. Yeah, they got beat. Uh, they got they got beat on Monday night. Monday night, right? Yes. Yeah. They got beat on Monday night. They got punched in the mouth by Derrick Henry in a game that the Bills were very competitive in, by the way. It wasn't like they just got killed. They came head-to-head with a monster, and the monster won. And there's no shame in that. Both two good teams gave each other their best shot. Titans came out on top. I bet you eight out of ten times the Bills win that game. Um, nothing against the Titans, but the Bills are just... Looking at these stats, they are just a different level. They are, if I'm looking at this correctly, one of... One of only two teams to yet to give up 100 points. Wow. The New Orleans Saints, believe it or not, they have played one fewer games because they were on bye. They've given up 91. The Buffalo Bills defense have given up 98 points. They are at they are at an NFL high plus 105 points. They have scored 203 and allowed 98. That's insane. Second highest, no surprise, is the Arizona Cardinals plus 85. Uh, after that, it drops into the mid fifties, so they're seeing two teams right now who are really at the upper echelon, um, and really gonna be tough down the stretch in games that really matter. Um, the Patriots aren't catching the Bills. The Bills are the best team in this division. The Bills are the best team in this conference. Much of a Patriots fan as I am, I'm realistic, and the Bills might not lose again this season. Let's be real. I mean, yeah, Tennessee beat them, like I said, but they. Knocked the crap out of Kansas City. And then they went head-to-head with the Titans, and Derrick Henry ran them over. Again, Derrick Henry runs everyone over. There's no shame in that. He's he's a monster for a reason. Bats might compete for a wild card if they can find anybody to play defense besides Matthew Judon. Um, they don't have an injured secondary. They just have an inept secondary. So good thing they let Stephon Gilmore go. Um... The Jets, as usual, decent defense to very good defense that the offense puts in awful positions time after time. And the Dolphins are a complete anomaly because despite high draft picks and a lot of money in free agency over several years, we're not talking one year like the Patriots trying to put it together in year one. This is the third year now under Brian Flores, and they seem to be regressing. So sadly, while I think Flores is a good coach, 
they don't turn this around, not only are they not getting in the wild card spot, he may be out looking for another job at the end of the year, which would be a shame. But now that I've rambled on, Bills. All right, so the Jets, as far as the Jets, Chris, I'm putting them aside because they're starting a rookie quarterback. They they always are, though. They've, they've turned over the roster so much. Robert Sala has come in. I'm going to give him an opportunity, but I'm going to put him aside because they're just not – they're not going to compete. The points about the Patriots are correct. Their defensive secondary just – Doesn't exist. It's not there. Whether, you know, it's maybe David, Devin McCourty is too old. Uh, is J.C. Jackson a, first, a number one or is he not? Is there anything behind J.C. Jackson? Did they get too high on themselves thinking JoJo on Williams and uh, Jonathan Jones were going to be able to compliment or even Jalen Mills was going to compliment J.C. Jackson? By the way, Jalen Mills missed a game or two. And, you know, Kyle Duggar, as good as he's played, he has, he has hit and miss, but he's also a second-year player. So right. it's like your, your concept was to pressure the quarterback with – all this talent you have defensive end uh, uh, outside linebackers you you picked up jamie collins on, on uh, free agency during the season you're trying to pick these pieces up to to have this attacking defense well you kind of have to go all in with the attacking defense because realistically your secondary is not doing anything and this is not supposed to be a patriot rant but that's my point my issue is with what He's going on with the Dolphins. I thought Tua was the answer. Clearly, he's not the answer. He's played three games. Well, they're already talking about trading him to the Texans for right. Deshaun Watson. So, oh, yeah. Which probably should have happened during the, during the offseason, <laughs> yeah. realistically. There's rumors that maybe maybe they should trade Xavier Howard. Maybe they should trade Byron Jones. They just got Byron Jones, and they just gave Xavier Howard more money. Like, the whole point is you have this dominating defense that you should have a complimentary offense. And it's not like Miles Gaskin's doing bad. He's 4.5 yards a carry. Malcolm yeah, Brown. second worst point differential in the league. I, and the problem behind with, the Texans by two. And you know what the problem with that is? Consistency on offense. Consistency. So you know where I point the finger at? It's two people. It's two his inability to stay on the field, and it's the offensive play calling. Inconsistent. You got lucky with the fumble by Damian Harris that gave you that win. You haven't done anything since. So that's why. <laughs> Not to mention, I think you pointed it out that uh, uh, Buffalo Bills haven't given up 100 points yet. Yeah. Collectively. So with that defense and the fact that they probably have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, there's nobody else that's going to catch up to them. AFC West, we have the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. God, how bad do I want to say Oakland and uh, San Diego whenever I say that? Both at four and two. We have the Chiefs at three and three, and the once three and zero Broncos have faced teams that actually had a single win, so now they are three and four. Um, I look. The Raiders are look really good. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, you have two four and two teams, and and, and the Chargers with the dismantling that the Ravens gave them this past weekend uh, are minus two point differential, despite Justin Herbert looking really good. 
Um, the Chiefs' defense is just abysmal. And a lot of those, like we said, a lot of those things, those gadget plays, the blind 40 yards downfield, the Tyreek Hill wide open, they're not working for the Chiefs this year. They got to they gotta get a little bit more basis and fundamentals because right now they're only beating mediocre teams with the exception of Cleveland blowing the lead week one. They're only beating mediocre teams. And they're not playing a whole lot of mediocre teams besides Denver in that division. They got two more games, I believe. I don't think they played Oakland yet. Nope. And they have one more against the Chargers. Correct. And Justin Herbert looks like he only gets better every game. Yeah, he got beat up pretty good against the Ravens. It's going to happen. He won the rookie of the year last year, and the Patriots made him look stupid. He's really good, and he's going to be an MVP candidate. I think I actually picked him to be the MVP um, earlier this offseason. We did our initial picks, which I'm remembering now that you mentioned it before the show. Um, I think the Chargers hang on, and I think they, they win this division. I think Oakland's right there. It might only be by a game, but their Chargers are going to be there. I picked the Chargers to win this division. And I'm sticking with them. I don't. I don't think there's. And and and. <clears throat> I think I picked the Chargers. I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm pretty sure I picked the Chargers. The problem the Chargers have, or the Chiefs have, is their games against the Broncos, which would seem to be on the surface, the games that would be easy to win. Come later in the season, it's going to be too late. And you're you get the Chargers. Four weeks out before the season ends, and you get the Raiders uh, in the middle of the season, and what are you guys going to look? What, what are you going to look like? You know, because the Ravens, the Raiders, the point to get the Raiders would have been the game after the Gruden firing. Yeah, that would have been the game, but you didn't. So they got a few weeks. They're going to put things together and and maybe focus on what they do good and and, and put aside what they don't do good. I think the Raiders have put together a very, very good team. And I think Derek Carr can kind of can kind of push some of the uh, weight off his shoulders because there's been so much rumor past few years, ever since John Gruden got there, that he wants him out, he wants a new quarterback. And I think now he can kind of just open him open up the offense and really kind of throttle down, especially when the next two games they got the Eagles and the Giants, and then they have the Chiefs. Like, that could be two butter-up games that they can really get the offense rolling and just go into the Chiefs and just have a a, a slobber knocker of a match oh, against the right Chiefs. There, I know. Throw it out there. Throw it out there. Saying all that, I don't, I don't think the Raiders – have ju- I don't think they have quite enough to overcome the Chargers because Justin Herbert is just showing what top-tier talent he is. And mm-hmm. he, as long as Austin Eckler stays healthy and their wide receivers stay healthy, I think they can put together a nice run, especially when you have probably one of the best safeties in the league now playing in Derwin James. Yeah. Yeah, finally. Poor guy could not stay healthy. Okay, we have... You said this two years ago, people would have laughed at you. This One of the more competitive... If not the. If not the... 
I think top to bottom, best division in football, personally. I know it was a question for after this, but I think we both answered it anyways. We both, both kind of talked about <laughs> our best and worst throughout. So um, I think this is the most competitive division in football. Uh, you have the AFC North, Baltimore 5-1, and one, uh, Kansas, Kansas City, uh, <laughs> Jesus, um, Cincinnati 4-2, and two, Cleveland 4-3, and three, and the Steelers, uh, despite looking awful at times, are still 3-3, three and three, and they have to play these teams again, so they're still, they're still in it too. Personally, I think just experience and knowing how to win, Baltimore maintains the lead. Uh, I think Pittsburgh with injuries on offense and Roethlisberger just looking worse and worse every game. Uh, despite the fact Najee Harris looks like a stud. He looks like a slam dunk. The kid looks awesome. Um, Pittsburgh's going to fall out of it, and Cleveland and Cincinnati are going to be very good, uh, but they're going to um, depend a lot on health, obviously, like most teams, but especially with young teams who sounds weird to say, but don't really know how to win, if that makes any sense. Like, Baltimore knows how to win. Um, like, Buffalo last year. Buffalo, with all their new weapons, didn't really know how to win. So they go into a game against Kansas City and they lose because they didn't have the experience. Now Buffalo knows how to win. Um, Browns are probably more equipped to do it than the Bengals because of last year's, you know, uh, postseason loss. I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is to order, in order to know how to win, you have to know how to lose also. Um, and you have to lose big games, and then you have to know what you did wrong. And nobody – it sounds like a backhanded compliment, but it's really not. Nobody in this division knows that better than Baltimore. So Baltimore hangs on to win, but the Bengals and Browns are both very much in a wild card hunt. I, I think it's the Bengals. Really? I think I okay. think they that offense is is too much, and, and we'll see this weekend. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Ravens game. Bengals. Yeah. Big game. Um, this will be a pivotal game for the Bengals to win, and I think it just tell. I think that offense, the way they built it, and I I disagree with the idea of of, of drafting Jamar Chase. I thought. Yeah, I did too. Get yeah. the left tackle. Yep. Yep. Get the left tackle. Protect Joe Burrow because he's taking some hits this yep. this uh, this season. He has 16 sacks in six games. That is not good. Um, <laughs> do you do you remember that meme before the draft where it was Joe Burrow sitting there uh, in like in like the, the warm up the, the football shorts there yeah. and it had his big scar across his knee and it said, "Tell us without without telling us who the Bengals are drafting. Tell us who the Bengals are drafting." <laughs> and then they draft Jamar Chase, right. which. Again, like I said, kid looks phenomenal, but I, just oh, thought, he, that was, he, I thought that was funny. I, I really had, thought they were going guard. Right. I had no no question of Jamar Chase's ability, which which I'd like to point out to all the pundits out there that crapped all over him in the offseason and in and, and training camp and the uh, preseason games. Like, give the chit a chance. He just needs to knock the rust off. Well, and he, look what he's done. He was trying new stuff, too. That's what preseason's for. Right. Yeah. He has 500 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah. The kid is phenomenal, and 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 then and then Chris, you have to put on there, Tyler Boyd, and oh yeah. Side note, T. Higgins, like. And to the best of my knowledge, they haven't had all three of those guys healthy for very often at the I same time so. this year. I think Boyd, Boyd or Higgins has missed a little bit of time. Higgins missed uh, last last week. I have Higgins, so oh, okay, I'm yeah, aware yeah, okay. of his yeah. uh, game or two missed. Um, 
I like what Joe Burrow's done. He's got a two to one ratio on on touchdowns and interceptions, which is what you want. Although I don't like the seven touchdowns in six games, but I think I, you're correct on you need to know how to lose to win. Yeah, I think they did a lot of close losing before Joe left with his injury, mm-hmm. and I think they're figuring out how to put teams away. They almost beat Green Bay. They should have beat Green they Bay. They should have beat Green Bay. They should have. They, they, almost, they almost did. I mean, it was a field goal incompetence competition away from beating the Packers. Which is which will be interesting to see what they do against the Ravens. I think that's the Ravens and the Browns in the next two to three, two out of three games because they have the Jets in between and let's put – Yeah, they let's, should crush the Jets. Let's be honest with that. Which, by the way, if they don't crush the Jets and they lose a close game to the Ravens, and they lose a close game to the Browns, then I will I will concede that they just don't know how to win yet. Because yeah, yeah. The, the Ravens game is going to be a tough game. Need more, yeah. And that Jets game should be a breeze. So long long wind away of saying I think the Bengals right now, if you told me who's gonna win the division, I think it's gonna be the Bengals. I just think that offensive structure is 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 coming to form. And, but this weekend will be the weekend to decide who's going to win this division. And I know it's week seven, but this this is a huge game. Yeah, this is a huge game against the Ravens and the Bengals, especially with Baker, his injury. I great you guys won last night, seventeen to fourteen against the Broncos. Case Keenum is not going to pull off the games that. Baker was able to pull off with the offense, especially with no Kareem Hunt and no Nick Chubb. In fairness, though, Chubb was questionable for most of the week. I think if it was, I think if they played Sunday, there's a chance Chubb might have played. So if Dearness Johnson can come in and compliment Chubb, depending on how long Hunt is out, Baker has a fractured shoulder. And that's the same one he had the, the torn muscle in. It's not his throwing arm, but still, it's a fracture. That's got to heal. Baker's not coming back for, I'd say, minimum six weeks. That legitimately is a fracture, if it wasn't a mistake with the diagnosis. So, if they can run the ball with that offensive line and the receivers, if Keenum, if Keenum can keep them 500 throughout that time till Baker comes back, then they still have a shot at a wild card. But, again, we'll see, and that's not the topic of this. That's just kind yeah, of a aside. Um... Yeah, so that's that is our predictions for who will win the divisions. Kind of boring, um, but you know. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I think there was some good content facts. in there. We gave we gave good reasoning, and we're gonna visit this again in a couple of weeks, and we'll see what we said as compared to uh, what you know what's currently happening because anything can happen. We know we've watched football long enough to know. In two weeks, some of these teams that look terrible could the defense could look like dynamos. Washington could find their defense. The Patriots could remember they have to play defense. Um, and I mean, it, it's the Bills could forget how to play defense, but I doubt it. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun season. There's a lot of competitive divisions out there. I don't think any more than the AFC North, but there's some competitive divisions out there, and there is also the NFC South or AFC South. Excuse me. Um, and no, it's not a knock on the Titans. The Titans would be a good team in any division. They have that kind of team, but they're in a bad division, and that's just a fact. Uh, the Patriots were for years too, and they still won. So, 
I think I am all set here, if you're good. Uh, next week, as promised, we started a show. We are going to uh, review our preseason picks for award winners and give you our current picks and let you know if those changed or if we're going to ride with the guys we picked when the season started. So we were getting into that. Oh, we forgot Banker Tank. Jeez. Well, we'll post it. We'll post it. I have my picks, but do you I not have, have picks. your picks yet? Yeah, I have my picks. I got my picks. Want to run out of Bank of Tank real quick? I'll just run it real quick. We didn't do it last time, so we kind of we, we let it slip there for a minute. Um, for for this week, I'm going to go uh, uh, Bank. I'm going to go Sam Darnold, Daryl Henderson, and Debo Samuel. Ooh. I have Matthew Stafford, Alvin Kamara, and Debo Samuel. Ooh, interesting. Uh, Tank, I'm going to go Carson Wentz, Leonard Fournette, and... I picked Brown for wide receiver. Who? Brown. AJ Brown? I, I, no, I wrote Brown. Oh. Which is a problem. Which one? one, one. <laughs> yeah. And I don't quite remember which Brown I picked. <laughs> um, and I didn't pick Antonio because Antonio was going to be out. Uh, it must be. It. It. I think it's good. I think it's AJ Brown. Wait, we're gonna we're gonna say we're gonna say AJ Brown. Yeah, well, I'll say AJ Brown because I I think that's who I, I was picking. That's int- usually I put the first name, but uh. All right, I have for Tank, Lamar Jackson, Josh Jacobs, and Calvin Ridley. Okay. Uh, and 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 my mom and number one fan of the show, Tammy, yep. submitted hers, and she submitted hers yesterday before the Thursday night game. Oh, there you go. So there were two that played last night. Um, fortunately for mom there, she's 0-2. Oh. Um, it did not, did not go in her favor yesterday. Bum, she bum, picked bum. for Bank, Aaron Rodgers, Derrick Henry, and Cortland Sutton. And real quick, I know people could say, oh, Rodgers and Henry. Well, that's not tough. Rodgers has a projection that he's only, uh, for this upcoming week against Washington, he's only surpassed once this year at 32.3, which is a ton of points even in our league. Derrick Henry has, like, quarterback stats numbers. So he has a 24-point projection. So So people can say, exactly, people can say, oh, those are easy picks. Takes a lot of balls. To pick somebody with with, with with projections that high. So, good luck, Mom. Um, I mean, as long as you don't do better than me. Just kidding. Love you. Um, and her tank, uh, Tom Brady, Melvin Gordon, who actually, by half a point, did not tank last night. Ooh. Projected 9-7, got 10.2. Uh, Sutton was projected 13-1. He got 9-3. And her receiver to tank is Tyler Boyd. So, on the season, I am 19-17. and 17. Ben is twenty four and twelve, definitely making up for his lackluster year last year. Uh, past two years, probably. and last two years, well, I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be nice, and thirteen and seven is Tammy. Uh, she didn't play the first week, so she's a little behind, unfortunately for her. But um, still thirteen and seven, and you never know what could happen. Well, we could take a bye week, and she can just take a bye week. Yeah, we'll take a bye. Yeah, one, one week when one of us forgets, we'll we'll do we'll just do a bye week. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that is our Banker Tank for Week 7. And now that we've let you know what's going on next week and we've done Banker Tank, we will get out of here. So if you have any questions for Ben or I about anything you've heard in this episode, past episodes, or anything sports-related at all, we'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSPod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. The website, BCTSPod.com. Instagram, Ben underscore Chris, talk sports. There we go. First shot. One take Johnny over there. Nice job work, buddy. All right. And 
We ask you, if you have not done it so yet and you feel so inclined, would you please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast, leave a rating and a review. Uh, downloads have been kind of shaky recently. Uh, we, we do understand that without a uh, consistent schedule, it can kind of make people, um, you know, kind of lose a little bit of faith maybe. That's maybe a little too strong, but maybe get a little bit tired of not having it there on time. We're doing the best we can. There's a lot going on for both of us right now. We do the best we can to get you a good show out every week. Uh, so please, please hang in there. And we, we're not we're not abandoning you guys. We just, there's a lot going on. We're, we're doing the best we can. So greatly appreciate your support. And if you have not done so yet, tell a friend about the show. Um, maybe, maybe don't tell them it's a lock to be out on Wednesday just yet. Let them figure that over the next month or so. Uh, but we appreciate your support nonetheless. With that being said, for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here, hopefully, next Wednesday. Thank you.